0: Hello Charlie, Charlie One, this is Granite Zero Good afternoon, good morning even, good night, whatever time you're listening to this Welcome to the Granite Zero podcast with me Tomo It's good to be back, it's been like two weeks It's been two weeks, Uh, the sun's out Birds are singing as you can hear. I'm outside doing this podcast this morning because it's a lovely morning. So I thought I'd um, smash it out outside. <clears> have <throat> got a few um, topics um, that I'm going to cover today. Uh, one of which is quite poignant and at the forefront of things that are happening at the minute. Um, I have a family member um i'm not going to name the name or bring it out um just to cover tracks um i don't want to upset anyone too much from the family side um who is suffering quite badly from uh, dementia and alzheimers and i for one i don't know too much about it um apart from how fucking horrible it is and how it takes everything away from such beautiful people and how it diminishes the brain to the extent where the person that you know and love is no longer that person. It's like a shell now of, of something else. And it's difficult to watch and it's difficult to be a part of and it's difficult to comprehend someone that's been in your life for so long who is now on the, on the decline you know and one minute they're themselves the next minute they're not and then back to themselves and then not again it's just it's so hard to even imagine what it's like to be that person And it is a disgusting, horrible disease that really needs to be looked into more and more. You know, spend millions and millions on on cancer researches and other diseases like that. And then it seems like there's nothing really for dementia and Alzheimer's. And it's not just about forgetting it's not just about forgetting it's not just about short term memory loss it's how it completely changes the character that it that it's taken hold of destroying parts of the brain that have that person's personality and it's it's just sad to watch the decline you know and it affects everybody you know really close family members to people you used to work with you know it's it's just it's just a tricky one to talk about and it's a tricky one to take in and it's a tricky one to just honestly handle could be the right word it's just a uh, So bizarre and horrible and upsetting to see someone who used to be so full of life, so full of smiles. Just a beautiful human being. Now, you still get those glimpses. Don't get me wrong, they're still there. She's still that person. But looking at them you can see the glaze the look over their eyes they're not they're not in the in the moment they're not present they're somewhere else and it's heartbreaking it's the only way to de- really describe it it's heartbreaking but in times like these is what sort of Ushes me to another, another subject. No, just not, not going to usher. It sort of like guides me into another subject. And that's, um, what things like that then do. It brings people together. It brings family closer and it, it really embodies what it means to have true friends and the power of friendship and what does friendship mean? And this is, sort of the main bulk of the podcast today is uh, is the power of friendship. And I, for one, took for granted the, the power of my friends. You know, I kept a lot of what I was dealing with hidden from those that are closest to me. I opened up, sure, it took me a while but I always found that I was the one that would take on other people's problems and have them put all their dramas onto my shoulders instead of me sharing. And when you finally find someone who you can talk to and you share everything with, it's difficult when when they then stop talking. They block you out, shut you out, for whatever reason. You know, and you find yourself trying to be there, but then for whatever reason, causing more problems, more dramas than what it's worth. Instead of just saying, look, I'm here, you then continue to pile on pressure. And I've had it before where I've been the, the, the other way around. So I've been the one that just needed space, needed time to uh, like reload and just check back into being myself again. And I'd find myself pushing away those that are close to me, even though they're trying to help, you know. And it's it's it's, it's difficult and it's hard, you know. For me, a true friend is the one that's always there, that doesn't um, disappear at the first sign of trouble, one that doesn't just pick and choose willy-nilly when or where or how to be just there, you know? Through the highs, of course. all the highs, all the smiles, all the happiness, all the laughter. It's all well and good when that is at the forefront. But when you're down and your, your lowest is when you really find your true friends. those that ping you a text. "Hey, how are you doing today?" You know, Give you a little phone call. Tell you that they'll be round if if you need them. Not those that are like, oh, I'll be your friend now. You're uh, back to normal. Oh, you've got you're a bit depressed and a bit full of anxiety and, and depression. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave you. Yeah, you send me a, yeah send me a text when you when you're back to normal, and then we'll 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 continue. And You know, a bit like my Instagram post that I posted the other day. Life is a puzzle, yeah? Sometimes you're broken down into small pieces. You're thrown away. You're hidden. You're shoved in a corner. But it doesn't matter what you do. Piece by piece by piece, you can rebuild your life. And the way you rebuild your life is by taking on good friends and having like-minded people around you that just care about you. That want to help you. And I, for one, have learned not to just shut out those that give a shit you know you might be really really down and confused hurt lost whatever it may be but you've got someone or someone's or a number of people that are around you that will help you through whatever you need, you know, a a phone call can do wonders, a text, you might be fucking obsessive and just fucking send text after text after text, but it's only because they care, they're not doing it to fucking wind you up and make an issue, make a drama. They're just trying to be there for a person they care about, you know. I've had it before where I've woke up and been like, will you just fucking leave me alone? I want to be on my own. And it's tough, you know. This week especially, for some reason, I've had a good number of weeks, you know. But every now and then you just get this wave of emotion that just takes hold and you get that anxiety feeling and the only way I've, i can describe it i get it in my it makes me feel a bit funny inside the only way i described it i said it last night is you know when you've done something really really bad or you think something really really bad's going to happen the last time i really remember this feeling properly was when I got suspended from school and I had to go home and tell my dad. It's that sort of feeling, that that horrible, it's not like good butterflies, but that horrible gut feeling that something bad is going to happen. And I've had it, like all week, and I can't explain it. And I try reaching out, You know, and I get get a few responses back here and now, but maybe I need to actually be a bit more vocal about things. Who knows, who knows? But I know full well that I've got a number of close friends that are just fucking beautiful humans that would do anything for anybody. And I like to think that, I'm a similar type of person where I would do anything for anybody you know it's just a uh, it's um it's something that I'm very passionate about I'd hate for someone to tell me that I'm not a good friend to them or anything like that But, yeah, I'm sort of um, wondering if my anxiety has got something to do with watching the uh, Jason Fox documentary on, um, on Channel 4 the other night where he goes back to uh, Afghanistan and relives the sort of steps that he, he, um, he went through and his own PTSD. Obviously, Foxy's got or has worked through far worse PTSD, depression, than than what I've got, you know. A lot of people still think that I'm faking it um, because of the job and the job role that I did. But it's not the case, you know. You can ask me, Mrs. You can ask anyone that's close to me how I've been recently and it's highs and lows, peaks and valleys, you know. Well, what I sort of want to talk about from that documentary is um, losing his ident- identity. Uh, excuse me, your face didn't work. His identity. And I know exactly where he's coming from with that. You know, some of my highest points, my times where I was most me was when I was serving and I've always been a regiment gunner you know it's in my nature it's what I always what I always wanted to do was serve for my country and when I left in 2013 I lost a huge part of myself my identity everything and and it's been a it's been a true struggle for me since that day i've jumped from job to job i've not settled i've been very snappy very angry um yeah i have my moments where i'm my normal self i'm happy i'm sarcastic i'm got my dark sense of humor all that sort of thing but deep down it's it's like I was a member of the military for five and a half years. Yeah, it's not as long as some serving members or some members that I've served with. Certainly not as long as my granddad or my, uh, my dad. They did 35 and 22 years, res- you know, respect to them for that. Um, the reason why I left was family. As I was leaving, the squadron I was on was getting ready to deploy again to Bastion. And I just couldn't do it again. I couldn't put my missus or my two-year-old daughter through such stress, you know. And I couldn't do it. When I came home the first, the, the first time with Jess, she, she didn't even know who I was. I was some strange man that was picking her up. And we lost a bond, you know. And <clears throat> losing my, my identity has been a real, real struggle for me. I wanted to be a career man in in the Air Force. I wanted to be like my dad, like my granddad and smash out those 22 years, get up the promotion ladder, all that sort of thing. And maybe it's, I felt like I've got unfinished business. Maybe, maybe it's more than that. Would I sign up again? Yeah, I think I would. If I was needed, you know. I formed great friendships just to coincide with with, uh, the last point that I made. I made great friendships. Some that live around the corner from me now. Some live hundreds of miles away. But it's a bond you won't lose. And now these guys that have all left, they probably share the same sort of, you know, anxieties with, with leaving. You know, at one point you had people shaking your hand, congratulating you on your service, um, everything like that. <clears throat> and then in the next breath you're like, well, what am I now? And it, it's a hard hurdle to get over, it really is. It's a hump. It's a mountain. It's it's something that you have to strive to get over. You have to try and remember you're not that person anymore. You're now this person. And having an outlet to go up a ladder, maybe do a bit uh, work <coughs> through work. Having that something to climb is giving me, especially, a goal now. Instead, I was just plodding along through life. Oh, I did this. I've been to Afghanistan twice. I've been to Iraq. You know, just going through that. Now I can now say, well, I'm now doing this at work. I'm now doing that at work. And it's, I'm I'm forming good friendships at work. It's all um, starting to piece back, back to my uh, point about being a puzzle. It's starting to piece back my life piece by piece. And hopefully we can complete it soon so I'm back to being me, you know. <laughs> this, this podcast, this outlet is helping. I know I've uh, taken almost two weeks off from doing it. Um, I don't want to become too samey. To say me so I like to talk a lot about family in in the podcast and and what my two little inverted commas angels get up to well they have uh, created this disgusting attitude and it's it's one of those attitudes where you think and you look at yourself and you think I definitely brought you up differently to this. This isn't our doing. And then I, I I was watching some of the things that they watch on YouTube and they have these rich families that basically give their kids whatever they want and they're on YouTube. So they're getting paid for that. And it's, It's it's a bit disgusting, really, because it's giving young kids like mine false hope that they should be guaranteed having this, this, and this, and this, and this. It's like, life doesn't work like that, kids. You can't just stroll through life willy-nilly with mummy and daddy going, here you go, have this. Here you go, have that. Oh, dad, I want this, I want that. Oh, here you go, have that. No, it doesn't work like that. You earn what you get. You're good to your mum. You're good to your dad. Good to everybody. And you'll get the things that you you, you deserve. Treat us like we're pieces of shit when you're five years old and nearly eight years old. You're not going to get anything. You're going to get a grumpy dad who's just going to keep fucking shouting at you. I'm telling you to change your attitude. I have a thing where I tell him... Do they need the toilet? And they'll be like, no, Dad, why? And I'll be like, well, you need to go to the toilet because your attitude stinks. So, (laughs) it's little things like that, you know. But, yeah, they're turning into little brats and I didn't like it. So, we banned them from YouTube. Here's your ban. Shkadoosh. Enjoy that. (laughs) But, yeah, it's just horrible and tricky but we're we're going to get through it they're they're good kids really it's just they have these moments where they're fucking nightmares and then you look at them and you just find yourself getting upset because you're like I don't remember bringing you up like this you know so what's going on with this fucking crazy ass weather that we've got at the minute in england got proper summer weather it's nice isn't it so i was at the uh, in-laws in the chateau because it's a ginormous house that they've got in the back garden on the sunbeds and yeah fucking sunburnt myself didn't i all across me shoulders all across down my arms my fucking chest is far too hairy so it can't the sun can't penetrate that so I'm still like a fucking white, proper white man through there. <laughs> but yeah, it's nice. I feel a sense of calm when the sun's out. You know, it makes everything feel more happy. It's, it's a good feeling. But anyway, let's get into some sports news. I'm not going to go into current events today. I'm just going to go into straight to some sports news. And obviously, forefront of sports news... It's always football with me. And uh, Wednesday night, Arsenal got absolutely fucking battered by Chelsea. Um, And I missed the first half. By all accounts, it was quite boring. A bit cagey. And then the second half, Arsenal, Arsenal just fell apart, didn't they? Just simply as that their players didn't want to play for the badge I know exactly how they feel um, some of the fans but it was a terrible terrible game for, for Arsenal for Chelsea brilliant game you know unfortunately it's probably Eden Hazard's last game um, but other than that you know what can I say they crumbled on the pressure of the of the game their players didn't want to play. They have a couple of young guys, Iwobi and another, forgive me, I've forgotten his name, young lad that went up front. They they looked like they wanted to play. They really did. The rest of Arsenal were like, whatever, mate. Is it holiday yet? <laughs> it's fucking shit. Uh, but yeah, Arsenal were just terrible, terrible. And watching that Arsenal fan TV cracks me up. Cracks me up. They're so die hard fans, but they're a terrible fans. They're terrible. They're so negative all the time. But they're terrible, terrible, terrible fans. And why do they have to talk like that? Like North Londoners? It's a terrible accent they've got. I hate it. Change it. Change it. Don't need to talk like that, in it, blood? You're, you're a white man. What are you doing? Just talk like a regular cockney. Anyway. But I also thought, at the end of that game, it was a bit harsh on the reporter that was uh, interviewing Hazard. It was like he was goading him into... Um, making... making decisions like for his future it's like i don't know what my future holds i don't know this i don't know that and then he's like oh but is this your last game yeah it could be (laughs) hello pup it's all (laughs) just to take a radical turn and so the little puppy come over and say hello (laughs) brilliant but anyway yeah so the um i wish i had a dog I get a dog? I'm going to get a dog. Anyway, um, yeah, the, there was like the reporter was like fishing and fishing and fishing and poking and poking in until Hazard was like, I love the Chelsea fans. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Chelsea has always been the team for me, that sort of thing. Um, but it looks like he's out, out of there. And then uh, that comes to, obviously, the next final, which was the Champions League final. It was like watching two... United teams play against each other. Fuck me, it was boring. What a boring game. Controversial handball, I would say. Um, but what a shit game. You know, considering England is supposed to be the dominant force now in in, in European football, having the two finals with two English teams, you know put a performance on they played like it was a league match instead of a instead of a cup final no team wanted to take it by the scruff spurs were just playing a passing game with no end product liverpool were looking for a counter attack and didn't really happen they were lucky with their second goal a bit of a fortunate for fucking the first goal and it it was just a shit show in my opinion And now we've got to fucking listen to this shit for 10 more years because now they've got number six. Oh, God, I wanted Spurs to win that. Even though Spurs have got shit fans as well. But now we've got fucking Liverpool who've won a trophy. Oh, it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be a fucking nightmare. You have no idea. I cannot handle them when they're like this. (laughs) But do you know what? The best game I've seen since... So we had those two cup finals that were brilliant. But on the Sunday before... The Sunday before. Are you ready for this? Manchester United Legends versus... Bayern Munich Legends. The 20th anniversary of the 99 treble winning season. The glory days Oh it took me back to my youth But seeing that team Right David Beckham is the best Man United player To wear number 7 since Ronaldo And he left Man United in 2003 (laughs) You know Um, He's He's still got it Bex has got it Man crush But yeah it was like it was definitely like the old days I know they beat him 5-0 I know it was a charity match but Scolese Beckham pinging the ball about you know you got Solskjaer scoring You got oh it was just brilliant I loved every second of it even though it was only a charity game I loved every fucking second it was brilliant I was smiling ear to ear just because it was like I remember that game from 20 years ago I remember being in my living room with my old man and my brother watching United win and coming up to the 89th, 90th minute, 1-0 down with my ass going 5p, 50p, not really understanding what was what was at stake, just knew it was a cup final, you know, just anxious, and then when Sheringham scored, ah. Oh, We erupted in the living room, jumping around, so happy. And another two minutes later, and Solskjaer has won it! And I remember just sliding, I got carpet burns on my knees from sliding like he did. Oh, it was brilliant. The ecstasy, the fucking happiness. If I could bottle that feeling up and keep it with me for the whole of my life, I'd be, you know, a happy, happy man. I cannot talk about the sports news without this. So if you haven't seen the result and you haven't seen anything else, stand by for some spoilers. Anthony Joshua lost to Ruiz Jr. And he didn't just lose, he got absolutely fucking battered knocked down four times and then stopped in the seventh round this is what happens right when you get overconfident arrogant and your hand your hand picked your fighters through your career to build you up and you don't fight the fights that you should be fighting because then you get this banana skin that you are overlooking because you're looking past him, you're looking for Wilder, you're looking for Fury, which you should have fought last year or whenever. Because now that, that those fights now are tainted now because you've lost those belts. And yes, Joshua's got the uh, automatic rematch clause. But now you've lost, mate, you can't now build up that fight with Wilder because... If fucking Ruiz Jr., who looked like a fucking marshmallow, can knock you down four times and stop you in the seventh, what the fuck is Wilder going to do to you? You've just been proved that you can be hit, and that guy hits and fucking kills people nearly. And if you fight Fury, you think you're going to outbox Fury? Mate, I think you've been found out a bit, Josh. You know, I love you. You're a brilliant ambassador of the sport. You're a brilliant icon for the British people. But you've been found out, mate. You took punches against uh, Dillian White. Got rocked and wobbled in that fight. You took punches against Klitschko. Got knocked down. Showed heart to get up. You obviously showed heart in this fight to get up. being knocked down four times. But then you... Then for Prevetkin, and I, I saw you take a few decent shots in that game. You're very rigid, you're very what have you. And I was saying to a few people that he's gone from 16 stone when he first came onto the scene. 16 stone. He's now ballooned to 19 stone. Yes, he's built like a fucking Greek god. But that's a big weight gain in the three years <laughs> Maybe you should be a little lighter, a little quicker. you still hit as hard, and you're still a good boxer. Why do you need to be 19 stone to fight this guy? You should have stayed behind your jab, used your amateur-style boxing in and out, in and out, in and out, kept him at your reach, dragged that soft, podgy marshmallow into the later rounds, and then finished him. But no, you're gonna go all guns blazing, get dropped four times, and then stopped in the seventh. Mate. And now your legacy's tainted. That's all boxers want is a legacy. You wanted to, be, you wanted to go down as the greatest heavyweight since Muhammad Ali, since Mike Tyson. I don't know now. I don't know, I really don't know. Still a, Still a world-class boxer, sure. But I don't see those fights with Wilder and Fury lining up now. Don't see it. Uh, <clears throat> into the UFC. And um, it was a decent card, you know, UFC Stockholm. I think Jimmy Manoa needs to hang up his gloves now. I think all his all his uh, losses, I think he's now got six losses, 17 and six, I think he is. They've all been knockouts and they've been brutal. Brutal knockouts. Last night was no exception. He looked like he was asleep. <laughs> Uh, But coming on To the main event You had Gustafson Versus Smith Uh, Smith Finished in With a rear naked And Gustafson Retired What a fighter What a legacy That guy has You know He just didn't have That little bit extra In those Top top fights Especially against John Jones Losing to John Jones Twice You know In two wars You know He lost to DC In another war You know He And now uh, Anthony Smith, it just seems like when it comes to the crunch, oh, he also lost to Rumble Johnson. You know, when it comes to the crunch against these top fighters, there's just that little edge missing. You know, he's a world-class fighter. Don't get me wrong. Smoked some brilliant fighters in his time, but yeah, it's sad to see. He's at 32, but he's got a lot to lot to give to the sport. He's given lots to the sport, and now he can. You know, just chill out with his family and retire in peace. It'd be nice to retire at that age. (laughs) But, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, whoever's listening to this, it's time for me to start wrapping this up. And as always, you know me, I like to give out a shout-out to um, veterans and veteran causes. You know, especially the likes of Combat Fuel, who have some decent supplements um and they give a percentage of their profits to charity help for heroes so bosh can't talk about that enough um if you hate isis if you hate terrorism but you love good coffee why not try the 50 cal coffee you know i drink it regularly it's lovely it's one of the best cups of coffee i've i've ever tasted so get that down you get amongst it And uh, I thought I'd just bring out um, again Broken by War by um, Anthony Locke. And still to this day, one of the best books I've read. You know, I couldn't put it down. And for a dyslexic person to not want to put a book down is a big thing. And he keeps it simple and he keeps it real. And he talks about very important subjects and how it's affected him and his life and everything so go on to amazon get that book whether it's kindle hardback softback whatever you want to call it go and get it it's brilliant book but yeah now it's time for me to um put the mic away and uh continue with my day i hope you guys all have a fucking beautiful day and um enjoy the sunshine and uh as they say in the regiment, per ardua, through adversity. I'm Tomo, and I'm out. Charlie Charlie one this is granite zero out